Welcome to the Building Management Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. For the past several years, the main strategy for smart building companies was to provide proprietary, closed systems for their sensors and smart tech. The choice was profit-oriented. Businesses wanted to make sure customers wouldn't buy additional sensors outside of their product line. The conversation, though, is starting to shift thanks to innovations in consumer IoT devices. Hubs like Amazon Alexa and Google's Home are flooding through people's homes, and now they want to see that open system technology at work. On today's Building Management Podcast, we're joined by Joe Hill and Kendall Anderson, VP of Solutions and PR Manager, respectively, for FSG. They break down the transition to open systems and smart buildings, how it's not only cutting costs but increasing companies' profitability, and how these innovations are flowing in conjunction with social conversations around greener, more eco-conscious businesses and buildings. Joe, Kendall, great to have you both on. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both for joining us. I'm excited to dive into the main topic today, which is going to be the evolution of smart buildings and how customers and consumers and businesses can stay ahead of the innovations that are coming through the smart building market. Um, Before we dive into that, I do want to know a little bit more about both of you. Now, Kendall, what is it like communicating this power of smart buildings to your constituents? You know, how do you really try to get them on the same page with innovations that are coming through the sector? Uh, thanks for asking that, Daniel. It's actually such a great industry to be in right now because I truly believe this industry is just at the start of something remarkable. As an entire nation, we're starting to see IoT and smart building automation become more and more prevalent and also becoming more affordable for businesses as well. So it's really fun to be able to educate those within the industry as well as potential clients about what they can do as far as automating their buildings and what kind of efficiencies it can drive for them, whether that is energy efficiencies, operational efficiencies, or even business intelligence. Definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think communicating that to people must be fun, especially when when that innovation is so ripe and there's so much to draw from. I mean, it's it's natural and easy to get excited about it. It is. It is. And there's so many different applications that the Internet of Things really provides for businesses that a lot of my job sometimes is to look at the biggest struggles that facility managers and operational personnel have within their buildings and really be able to identify how can we tackle that challenge And maybe something as silly as I need to know how many people are sitting in their chairs in the office so I can identify if I'm renting the right amount of square footage for my office building and being able to come back and say, well, I actually have a seat presence sensor that we can install for you so you can directly track where your employees are, how much that they're at their desks or how often they go remote. And some of that can be really, really Um, can drive a lot of efficiencies for businesses. Yeah, that's what I like to see in technology is the flexibility, right? It's not just gauging one consistent stream of information, but being able to adapt to changes in the environment um, is really important and something that's really exciting me. And now, Joe, you have been in the industry for 
over a decade now, and you transitioned from the electric industry into smart building industry. So what was that transition like? You know, what drew you specifically to want to bring innovations to smart buildings specifically? Well, the main thing is that it is not something that everybody has a lot of expertise in. And it drew it. I was first drawn to it because I do a lot of this stuff at home. And uh, as my wife will tell anybody, uh, she feels like you can't turn a light on without clapping and doing the hokey pokey. And uh, of course, she she gives me a hard time about that. But I was doing all these things at home uh, just to control my lights and, you know, just to do things to make my life easier. And as you may have experience with a lot of the IoT stuff, it has been becoming more and more prevalent in the consumer space, which has been driving it over into the business um, and the commercial space. Because a lot of our customers, they have all these neat things at their house and uh, they come to work and they're like, man, why can't I do this? It's so easy at home. I've got 100 locations. Why can't we do that here? And so, uh, you know, as this as this change has started to happen, especially over the past 10 years, um, I found myself uh, with FSG in the position to where we were doing uh, a lot of lighting retrofits and a lot of things at scale within these different uh, retail locations and just for our different customers. And they're primarily uh, commercial based um, facilities. So uh, kind of changed my focus from doing a lot of buildings that are stacked up really high and high rises to a lot of buildings that are spread out coast to coast. And as uh, we've we've gone about trying to continue to improve uh, the operational um efficiency and lower their overall cost for their buildings, uh, a lot of it was led just through lighting retrofits. Um, and now we're um, taking on more control type projects, especially as they're putting in all these LED fixtures that are now lasting 10, 15 years. And so the ROI on trying to, um, you know, create projects that are meaningful to customers, especially when they maybe are in a retail space that's two to three years in some instances, um, they don't get the ROI if it's a five-year payback. So a lot of these are, you know, energy-driven. But for the most part, as we take a, a, a more of a larger look from from our perspective, uh, we have all these different tools that are available to us to solve these problems. And we found that so focusing on those problems is where things get really fun and really exciting. And so for for me personally, that's one of the things that gets me really excited about the industry, and one of the things that's really uh, fulfilling and gratifying for me is to be able to help our customers solve these practical problems um, using, you know, the things that they probably wouldn't have considered before through, uh, you know, technology and, and just different cutting edge stuff that's coming out on the market today. Right. And it's solving problems that, you know, don't take a lot of consistent investment to solve. Once they're, you know, once the technology is implemented, you see that return immediately. You see the the solution, and it's it's like a the heavens opening, right? Everything just becomes so much easier. Sigh of relief. I think that is what smart building technology is really bringing to both the consumer and the commercial space. And that gets me into the main topic I wanted to dive into, which is just evolution of technology within smart buildings. And now we've had people come on before to talk to us about changes in smart building technology, but we haven't really dug into some of these specific applications. And one of the main things I wanted to dive into is changes in IoT sensors. And this was something, Kendall, that you mentioned, but you know the actual technology is adaptive and flexible and doesn't just provide one finite uh, application. It can be 
um, you know, it, it can react to the environment and it can provide a multitude of data. So I wanted to hear from both of you, you know, what are some of those changes in IoT sensors in the smart building and smart building management industries and how are they helping businesses grow and really uh, take command of, um, of their operations and solving some of those solutions, like you said, Joe? Sure. So one of the biggest things is that um, the IoT sensors are becoming smaller and more mobile. And what I mean by that is that uh, they're not they're not tethered down by a wire anymore. Um, traditional com- uh, control systems um, that we've historically called building automation systems, they now call it IoT, has been connecting buildings at an enterprise level. And to get a sensor that is you know out in the environmental space, uh, we normally have to run a wire to it. Uh, the way technology is today, there's several wireless protocols that are becoming more mainstream from uh, anywhere from Zigbee protocols to uh, they've got Wi-Fi. We've used 900 megahertz type uh, signals. There's there's a few proprietary ones that are out there, but there are some some that are trying to take a foothold and become more mainstream. And uh, we're just kind of waiting to see which one actually becomes the standard, because I think they're all jockeying for position to do that. And, uh, you know. It's not a problem to have multiple different ones because uh, the radio spectrum can get quite busy when you've got a lot of wireless things. So we like to space out uh, different radios for different means, and uh, they all have you know different purposes and things that they are uh, better suited for than others. And so we really you know we look for what are what's the application we're using, what are the uh, what type of incumbent systems do our customers have? Do they have anything? And a lot of that drives as to which direction we will go. Um, in some places, you just need the resilience of, of still running a wire, you know, and and you know, and that's okay. Uh, part of the things that are are needed is to bridge the technologies from the older, more uh, I guess traditional protocols like BACnet and Modbus to some of the newer ones like you know how do I talk to uh, an Ecobee thermostat, right? Um, so we've we're doing all of that. Uh, we're installing over a thousand th- Ecobee thermostats right now for one for one vendor, uh, one customer who uh, says, "Hey, I bought a thousand of these. And I need them installed." So we're we're pulling that in and giving them a view at an enterprise level of all of that, so they can interact and add other things in their buildings as well. So one of the things Joe hit on that I think is one of the most impressive things about where the IoT industry is headed is that. You know, gone are the days where you're locked into this giant system and you can't add anything to it. So kind of the evolution of the industry in total used to be these larger companies, your Siemens, your Honeywells, who develop these really, really sophisticated systems. However, we're finding that those systems primarily were best used in really large footprint stores or in the industrial markets. And in addition, they used a custom API meaning that only products that they manufactured would be able to work within their energy management or building automation system. So now what we're finding is that as people become more comfortable in the home building automation space, they want to be able to take this commercial as well. And so we're finding that very small footprint stores, whether that's a convenience store, a quick service restaurant, maybe it's a smaller retail location. They really want to implement these technologies as well, but they're facing the challenges of If I invest heavily in one of these big name products, one, am I limiting the amount of products I could add to the system? Or two, am I locking myself into a system that I may not be able to get out of? And three, they're very, very expensive systems primarily because they're meant to take over large footprint stores. So where the industry has rather shifted 
It's communicating using open gateways that can talk to a variety of different protocols, whether that is something wired, such as uh, lighting or HVAC, talking via BACnet or Modbus, or something as recent as talking via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, Zigbee, and Ocean. So what we're finding is that more and more gateway manufacturers are coming out with these open-sourced products so that instead of having to pick one vendor and go specifically with that product line, you're now able to pick and choose from a variety of different sensors to help accomplish what you want for your smart building strategy, and you're able to tie all those disparate systems together. And what FSG Energy is doing is helping the clients find the best variety of products that will either work with what they already have in place or something that they want to add to the system or for new construction and being able to put up all these different systems, all this different data from a variety of different building technologies, whether it's lighting, HVAC, could be motion sensing or anything to those regards, and putting them behind a single pane of glass where they can see all of the data in one common area. I mean, that innovation is pretty groundbreaking. Um, you know, getting people to customize what they need in their smart building. I think that's that's really important. And I think it not only is going to have an effect on the end users, but on the businesses we're providing them as well. And I want to get y'all's take on this. Do you think that businesses, um, you know, the providers and manufacturers of these IoT sensors, now that the trend is shifting less from proprietary um, models to open sourced sensors, do you think that that transition is going to force these companies to sort of dig into a niche and instead of provide full complex solutions under one proprietary system, instead focus in on, okay, we're going to craft and master only the HVAC system or only the lighting system and then finding ways to then keep those sources open. That way they can communicate and, and have their thing be the best at their thing, but then communicate with all the other companies who are providing their own niche sensors? Well, that's exactly the idea. And we find a lot of our customers, we may have an entry point um, into that relationship through the HVAC, like, for example, installing a bunch of Ecobee thermostats. Um, they may determine down the road that they need some lighting. And if they put a lighting control system in and they've got, you know, thousands of locations um, and now they have to log into one platform to talk to the HPC and they have to log into another platform to control their lights. And now they decide Black Friday's coming up and I need to run my store in hours that are off schedule. And I've got to go to two different systems. Uh, to change both the schedules for lighting and for HVAC. In many cases, they may be separate systems. In some cases, they may be uh, separate systems across different parts of locations because of the way that their portfolio has grown through acquisitions or uh, just changes in their facility management staff to find themselves with three or four different systems. And so uh, the entry points for us is basic, basically taking those things that don't normally talk together and putting it, Kendall said one pane of glass, which I think is a good uh, a good idea. We don't take away the actual control of going to those systems, but we reduce the learning curve for how they can interact with them because, uh, you know, controlling a, a thermostat looks the same through our pane of glass as opposed to it might be in two or three different locations, depending on what platform you're looking at. And trying to educate your staff and uh, the people who are supporting your buildings into all of those specific systems. It gets quite cumbersome and uh, it becomes stifling as far as, well, I don't want to pick 
this type of thermostat because then I don't know if I know I'm going to do lighting at some point. I'm not ready for that, but I want to make sure that I'm set up to do, to do that. And I uh, want to be as flexible as possible because at the pace that things are changing, um, you know, two years is a long time. Uh, we don't know what's going to be out there and what we're going to be able to do. And so uh, we want to make sure that by having as open of uh I wouldn't really, well, it's open, but we are more accepting of things that uh, normally wouldn't want to be open, I guess would be also a better way of stating that because we'll take things that, that normally aren't talking together and we'll put them in the same, you know, in the same uh, dashboard. So uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing that we're, we're trying to solve here because of just because of the scale, uh, it really adds a lot of complexity to, you know, uh, to, to trying to bring all of this under the control. And a lot of these companies, they've got one or two facility managers for very large regions. So there's a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of things that are going on. So, you know, helping them make the best decision on that entry point is part of the solution side of, of, of what we do here uh, at FSG Energy. Right. And I, I could see that conversation, especially around proprietary systems, you know, when you're trying to convince a customer that they should go with an open system uh, that, you know, that I could see some pushback from them saying, OK, well, I don't want several different systems that I'm going to have to control differently and each is going to have their own, you know, user interface and it's going to be complex and difficult to understand. I, like I could see that being part of the initial conversation. So how do you, I guess this is more for Kendall, but how would you communicate to um, someone who's looking to implement this technology that, you know, wants to stick with proprietary because it's all under, you know, one vendor and one dashboard. You know, how do you sell that user experience and that user interface to convince people that open sourcing is the future and that's how people should be setting up their smart buildings? Right. That's a wonderful question. And honestly, it drives back to money. If you think about why building automation and energy management systems were first developed, it's to lower the cost of doing business. It's to lower your energy spend, lower your operational spend, lower your maintenance spend by keeping your equipment healthy and making sure that all of your systems are operating as well as they can. Now, when you're talking to clients and maybe they've gone down the path and they've put in a proprietary system across 500 of the, the, their locations per se, yes, they are very, very hesitant to discover what an open system could provide them. But there's a reason they've come to us and there's a reason they're at the table. And usually this can be boiled down into three things. One, like Joe was pointing out, they may have multiple buildings that are running with multiple systems. So a section of their stores or their buildings may be operating under one proprietary system and another section could be operating under a different one. So their facility managers are already struggling with having to deal with multiple systems. The second problem we often come into is that the customer is often unable to change or add to their proprietary systems based on the limited product line. So many times it's limiting the expanse of what they can do. So maybe they really do want to incorporate some of the latest IoT, some of the latest IoT sensors, but the product line and the, under the proprietary system they have doesn't allow that. And the third problem we usually get to is that many of these proprietary systems or products that, that they have implemented into their stores are often end of life. And when they become end of life, they can't rebuy them, they can't put them back into their stores, and therefore they lose their investment entirely. 
So they know that moving forward in order to incorporate more systems and in order to get everything under a single plane of glass, they have to come up with a new strategy. And our job isn't to go in and rip and replace everything they've already put in place. Rather, what we're trying to do is come in and be the universal translator of all those different systems so that we can transform their proprietary system into an open system that one, gives them all the access they already had, but two, allows them to add systems on top of what they have. And three, they're able to see this all through one single pane of glass. Well, it sounds like a no-brainer almost because... uh... You know, not even the proprietary systems were giving everyone that singular dashboard. Uh, you know, they were all isolated, but still each had their own interface. So it's great that open sourced and you know these these open systems for IoT sensors are not only giving more options, but they're consolidating too. It's like a it's a double edged sword of uh, <laughs> of positivity. You know, it's like it's that's great. It's a great innovation in in building management. Right. And, and one other thing to point out is that oftentimes when they're looking to add to their systems, they have a limited budget that they're trying to work with. They've already invested maybe millions of dollars into one particular system. So they're looking for the lowest cost way of being able to implement whatever was pushed down on them, whether that was because of a stricter energy code. So they have to tighten their energy controls or if it was a corporate compliance measures, maybe their corporate Maybe their corporation decided that they want them to gather one certain type of type of data, maybe that CO2 or humidity data. So they're having to go back in and add those sensors. But really, when it boils down to it all, it all comes back to money. So when EMS was first started, the whole principle was let's lower the cost of doing business. But now what IoT and open platforms have allowed is that on top of lowering the cost of doing business, let's give you added visibility. Let's increase your profits by being able to ensure that we know exactly when your equipment start to fail so that we can go out there and repair them to make sure, say, for a convenience store that your deli counters are always within health code compliance or your slushy machines are always running. Or even for a retail application saying, you know what, we're going to put a motion sensor within your, within your light bulb that will allow you to track where people are moving throughout your store. So not only are you be being energy efficient with your light bulb, but now you're actually able to see which end caps are customers gravitating toward, which products are they liking the most, which adds so much value outside of just driving down operational costs. So the last thing that I wanted to touch on with both of you is looking more at the codes and restrictions that are coming through uh, building management. And I think I think what we're seeing is we're seeing two conversations and two changes happening at the same time. We're seeing IoT sensors transition into open systems, which is giving people more options for what sensors they integrate into their smart buildings. And then we're also seeing at the same time a social conversation that is pushing businesses to be more green and pushing businesses to be more eco-conscious and eco-friendly. And with that come new energy codes and restrictions and making sure that, you know, all our buildings are up to speed with where we'd like to be as a nation. And so we get these two conversations coming at the same time, and I think they're starting to reach ahead. And I'd like to know from both of you, you know, how are open system technologies actually helping with uh, these codes and these restrictions as they continue to become more strict? How can building owners and operators 
um, integrate these new systems in a way that isn't going to break the bank and isn't going to force them to rip out all their old systems and put new ones in, but at the same time still meet these changing codes and restrictions? That's a great question. Um, so it comes from a lot of uh, different angles, I guess. It's mainly like for energy conservation would be one of them. And California drives, uh, kind of leads the charge in a lot of these areas. And one of the things that becomes a little bit of a challenge is the flexibility of some of the systems. Um, maybe the these proprietary systems are not as they're not moving as fast as say the rest of the technology is because of whatever reason. A lot of the proprietary ones are larger incumbent type companies like your Honeywells and things of that nature, where they've got these big ecosystems and environments that are already there, and and so sometimes. Sometimes they're leading uh, the push behind re uh, different regulations that come out because of technology maybe they have. But other times we may be able to solve a problem that we didn't know how to solve before because now we've got information in places that we didn't have. So the the thing that really comes to mind is a lot of like the Title 24 and the daylight harvesting and the different controls that that those offer. One of the things that they do with the day with the daylight harvesting is that they actually do zone control based off the amount of light coming in from uh you know from say a glass front of a store and they lower the light level in those locations in the in those zones and when we're talking about what we can do with iot sensors we can actually go from zone level control to actual point level control which means we can actually affect each individual fixture if we choose to um uh, to to change it to whatever level may happen so what we don't know is is the restrictions on those types of things going to be more you know, more stringent or less stringent because now the efficiency of the lights are so, uh, you know, with LED, they're so efficient at this point, you know, dimming them down, light saves, it saves energy. It saves incrementally less energy than what it did before when you were using, uh, you know, more uh, inefficient bulbs and lamp technology. So obviously, if you would look back about 10, 15 years ago, the big push was everyone needs to convert their light bulbs to LEDs. And we're still seeing that today. And we're seeing those pushed through energy codes as well to say you need to be able to lower your energy spend by this much. Or as Joe was pointing out in California, being able to daylight harvest your lights or provide occupied, unoccupied controls, dimming controls, being able to schedule when your systems come on and when they come off. So now that the majority of the United States has become LED retrofitted, it's become the norm. So the energy draw that we're seeing from buildings is a lot less than it was 20 years ago, but now that's the new baseline. So what's the next step in the efficiency journey is to dive into this IoT and controls industry to be able to become even more efficient. And let's say in 20 years, it's commonplace for every building to have a building automation or an energy management system in place, and we'll see the codes reflect that. And even now we're seeing things going beyond controls. In fact, California just signed a bill this week that by 2045, their entire state is going to be operating off renewable energy. So while we are seeing those states where maybe the green initiative is more forward thinking, such as in the Northeast or California, which is oftentimes driven by a higher utility rate, we're going to see that trickle throughout the United States as we continue to, as we continue to progress in our energy efficiency journey. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting time, I think. And what's great is that these environmental codes 
aren't a bad thing, right? I mean, it's it may be a pain to transition over, but in the long run, people are going to be cutting down on energy costs. They're going to be, you know, cutting down on how much they contribute to climate change. I mean, there's there's a lot of great benefits to these transitional changes. And it's nice to see that open systems in smart buildings are going to help make that a reality. One of the great things about all the IoT sensors is that it's providing data in areas and in places and in ways that we didn't think about before. And all of that data has to go somewhere. And it's great to have it all, but making sense of it is really the challenge. And so that's where um, those business decisions, those uh, regulations and those ideas about, hey, there's a problem here that we didn't know there's a problem here. Um, There's something we can do about it, too. So, uh, you know, taking all of those different points and you know, kind of triangulating them to come out with a piece of information uh, is really is really key. And so where we're real excited is that by taking across several of these different technologies, whether they're legacy systems or they're newer IoT sensors and bringing them all together so that you actually get a holistic view or, um, you know, those extra dimensions to help drive those types of business decisions, uh, those types of energy policies, those types of things that uh, the government, you know, the regulatory agencies would be looking at and just, uh, you know, customers that I'm sorry, uh, clients, I guess, uh, retail customers that are looking to be more responsible with uh, just with their energy spend um, because of just the sheer size of their of their footprint. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on the podcast and giving us this insight on how important this transition in smart building technology is. You know, I think I think we're at a point where the technology is there and now it's all about educating the consumers and educating the business owners on why they need to make this shift and some of them have been making the shift because it's just been a requirement like we talked about uh, on the energy code side of things but just on the efficiency the money side of things is educating people on hey this technology is going to save you money and is actually going to increase your profits and it seems like a no-brainer so I'm excited to see where IOT technology and smart buildings continues to go and thank you both for coming on this podcast and explaining this to our audience absolutely thank you for having us yes thank you very much daniel and thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast and if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts articles and video content from your favorite industries i'm your host daniel litwin the voice of b2b till next time mm-hmm.